from Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill. It's your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm the entertainment editor at Mamma Mia. And I'm Ki Reese. I work at Social Squad, which is Mamma Mia's internal social media agency. And it is Friday. I don't know if I've ever felt ready for a Friday than I do now. This week has just been long. It has felt very long, especially because we're back recording under sheets. And I can't even have a like Friday afternoon knockoff beverage at like five o'clock because I've got to rush straight to get on a plane. Sweetie. But they'll be drinking later on. <laughs> I have news. What's the hot gossip? I want more headlines. We have got a ripper of a show for you today, and let's start with the entertainment headlines of the day, what you need to know. So actress Cameron Diaz has come out with her first interview in what it seems like forever, and she is giving some really good insight into why she kind of left Hollywood behind. Exactly. So in an interview with Gwyneth Paltrow for her in-group health, The Sessions, because they're such good friends, they got really deep into discussing motherhood and also why Cameron Diaz stepped away from Hollywood, which was a really sensationalist headline back in, remember in 2018 when Selma Blair gave an interview and she said that Cameron Diaz was quitting Hollywood and that made headlines everywhere. And then Selma Blair had to issue this big statement and and say, oh, no, 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 I was just joking. Because I think like Cameron Diaz was just hoping to kind of slowly move away from the spotlight and not have it be this big thing. So now that she's married to Benji Madden and they have a daughter called Radix, she rarely does any kind of interview. But in this one, she really kind of explained to Gwyneth Paltrow how she felt this real stress in Hollywood and why she had to get away. It's so intense to work at that level and be that public and put yourself out there. Um, There's a lot of energy coming at you at all times when you're really, you know, visible as a as an actor and doing, you know, press and putting yourself out there because when you're making a movie, it's a perfect excuse. They own you. You're there 12 hours a day for months on end. You have no time for anything else. And I realized I handed off parts of my life to all these other people. I I had to basically take it back. This is so interesting. And all I can say is, yes, honey, take back your time, reclaim your life. I think the examples that she's given, it's really easy to see why she would walk away. I haven't ever thought about it in that way before. Yeah, I think listening to a lot of different actresses in particular who talk about the kind of grind of making these big kind of studio movies like Cameron Diaz was making, I think you either kind of give in to that life. Because in that interview later on, Cameron Diaz talks about the fact that when you're making a movie, they own you. You know, you're there 12 hours a day on the set for months on end, then you have to give them all this time for publicity. So you really do sign away two years of your life. The studio owns you and you also have minders who organize every part of your life. Like she probably didn't know how to pay a bill or sign a lease or anything like that because she'd been a working actress since she was about 18. So she talked about having to try to find her trying to, to survive in the in the real world. Again, if you've got a paycheck that big, I'm sure you're fine. But I'm, um, you know, I'm wondering if how she's actually kind of got across navigating the world. So it's a really interesting interview. All right. Well, I am bringing you the celeb clapback of the year, and it's being awarded to a Mr. Brian Austin Green, who I like to refer to as Bag because it's way too long of a name for me to have to reference all the way through this segment. So back in May, the 90210 star and actress Megan Fox filed for divorce after 11 years of marriage together, citing irreconcilable differences. So together they have three sons, Noah, seven, Bodhi, six, and Journey, who is three. And the split 
kind of publicly has seemed quite amicable, although they have both been pictured dating. So Bag has been seen with a few gals, including Courtney Stodden, and Megan ended up confirming her relationship with rapper Machine Gun Kelly. Okay, so now I've set the scene. I've given you the background on what's going on. I'm serving you the drama. On Wednesday, Megan posted a steamy mirror selfie of her and Machine Gun Kelly. He's shirtless, showing off his kind of tattered upper body with just a towel covering him. She's next to him with kind of like quite damp hair and a bikini top and a towel around her waist. So the caption read, achingly beautiful boy, dot, dot, dot. My heart is yours. Sexy, hot, into it. Everyone's liking it. But this is where the best thing in the world and just the pettiest thing of the week happened. So hours later, Bag took to Instagram and posted his own picture. And it was a carousel of images of their three kids, as well as his 18-year-old son Cassius from a previous relationship with exactly the same caption. Look, it's entertaining, but also like, what a jerk move, am I right? It was so tight. Like, is he a child? I just live for this. It's the pettiness that we need in 2020 to distract us from what's going on IRL. All right, on to one of my other favorite topics that I love talking about, Gwyneth Paltrow. So she has penned an essay for the September issue of British Vogue about unconscious coupling. So she revealed she felt just like we did when she first heard the term. So she starts a piece off by painting a picture of the lead up to the end of her 10-year marriage to musician Chris Martin, with whom she shares two kids, Apple 16 and Moses 14. And she revealed that it was while they're on holiday in Tuscany together for her 38th birthday that she really just knew deep in her heart that her marriage was over. She writes, I'd never heard of the phase conscious uncoupling. Frankly, the term sounded a bit full of itself, painfully progressive and hard to swallow. It was an idea introduced to us by our therapist, the man who helped us architect our new future. I was intrigued less by the phrase, but by the sentiment. Was there a world where we could break up and not lose everything? Could we be a family even though we were not a couple? We decided to try. And they did. They tried conscious uncoupling privately for a year. And then a year later, they famously announced their breakup in a newsletter on the Goop website, which was simply titled Conscious Uncoupling a term that she says in this article has permeated breakup culture. And it really did. Like if you think back to the six or so years ago now that that happened, it rocked us. But if you think about it long term, it has kind of started a bit of a separation revolution in the type of language we use about divorce and really setting the tone for what divorce can look like. Exactly. It's so rare for a a phrase in a breakup announcement to make more headlines than a celebrity breakup itself. But that's definitely what happened back then and I think her explaining I mean she's talked a lot before in the past on different podcasts about why they chose that particular phrase and why they wanted to kind of do it this way for their children this is a topic she talked about so much before so when I sat down to read this essay I was kind of thinking like oh there won't be anything really new in here because it's it's such a topic they've covered before but I think she details the kind of the build-up to their breakup in such a way and to their divorce that when you're now looking back on the terms they use in their announcement it, it really makes sense but she kicks off by saying that it was her 38th birthday her and Chris Martin were in Tuscany and they were having this most beautiful time and then she talks about just suddenly one day she knew that the marriage was over. She talks about their marriage floating into the air like a helium balloon. Like there's probably too much imagery in there. But if you cut through that, she had this intense panic about not being able to get divorced because they had mingled their DNA, which is obviously talking about their two children. And she talks about the fact that in her understanding, 
ending. There's no way to come back from that. Like once you have children, there's no way to, to dissolve a marriage. And so when she outlines how they came to conscious uncoupling, it's like quite interesting. Yeah, I tend to agree. Like obviously it, it is super flowery, but it makes sense. The context that she's giving and it makes sense. I did want to just say though, she's always faced a lot of criticism over the years, especially when in relation to group about various things she's talking about, which she does detail in this essay, you know, things like Reiki and anything related to vaginas. But I think some of the stuff does stick and some of the stuff actually has a great impact for the greater good. I mean, many things don't, but I feel like conscious uncoupling is something that has been for the greater good. So thank you, Goop. If anyone's going to turn a divorce into a movement, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for week and watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. All right, we can watch. I feel like I haven't done these one of these in a while because I've had a couple of Fridays off. Okay, so I'm going to go first. And I've been watching a lot of British drama, end of the world type things. And I'm finding that I'm needing to lean into something to make me a bit happier, which I found as being stand-up comedy. So I'm recommending today the comedy lineup on Netflix. And it's not new. It was released in 2018. But it's a bite-sized comedy special and it features up and coming comedians and they each perform a 15 minute set on stage. So Netflix has kind of built it as an evening with the next generation of comedians and they get to showcase their best jokes. So there's about 15 episodes because 15 comedians are features and it's split into two parts. And I'm not going to lie and say that every single one of them was amazing and superb, but the good thing is, is it's only 15 minutes per person and it isn't as bad as sitting through like a 40 minute Netflix comedy special that you're just not liking you can kind of just move on and they're up and comers and the thing I liked about it is that it was almost like it was replicating the same experience that you would feel going to a comedy club but if that isn't selling it to you I picked out some of my favorites so either take a timestamp, grab a pen whatever you need to do part one Michelle Buteau Ian Carmel, Taylor Tomlinson, Sam Jay, Sabrina Giles and Tim Dillon. And then in part two, Aslan B, Emma Willman and Junior de Guzman, who is this amazing half Malaysian, half white American who's a musician comedian. And he takes the stage with an acoustic guitar and just makes these hilarious songs about really intense subjects like racism, babies and relationships with your grandma. And I just think it's a really telling sign of the way that comedy can move in the future and and the type of comedy that we need at this time in our lives. So it's on Netflix. It's called The Comedy Lineup, and I think you're going to love it. Okay, well, I'm recommending a a bit of a different style of entertainment now. So the first show I'm recommending is The Deceived, which is the new psychological thriller that has just dropped on Stan this week. So there's been a lot of hype around the show because it stars normal people's Paul Mascal in his next kind of big role. And he's good in it, but I feel like there's other reasons to watch it. He's got quite a small part because he hadn't quite blown up yet. So... The Deceived is about a student from Cambridge University named Ophelia who starts having an affair. Everything I'm saying happens in the first few minutes of the episode, so no spoiler. There's some really big twists. I'm not going to spoil anything. So um, Ophelia begins having an affair with her lecturer, Michael, and when Michael disappears, she tracks him down to this little town in Ireland where he lives called Noctara. There's like this whole mystery unfolding about his wife and who he is and, and the people in the town and as Ophelia kind of gets pulled more into this mystery you kind of realize that there's a real danger 
to her. And there's also this kind of old school kind of psychological thriller mystery kind of vibe to it as Ophelia is trying to un ravel this mystery and you start thinking like is there a ghost here is it supernatural or is it all in her head so it's really good it builds to a really satisfying finish so if you want like a just a really good kind of psychological drama mystery irish irish countryside the deceived on stand would be the show to watch oh i love that you sold it to me girl you would really like this this is very much your whole british european dramas that you like so you'd be into this Okay, okay. Next, next, next. So the other show I'm recommending is Little Birds, which also premiered on Stan this week. I, Lucy Mabel Savage, take thee, Hugo Cavendish Smythe, to be my lawful wedded husband. My little girl. Can we have some fun? Caroline makes love to you. Somebody needs to. So it's based on a collection of erotic short stories by the French Cuban American novelist Anise Nin. This particular series is about an heiress from New York called Lucy Savage, and she's played by Juno Temple, who's amazing in this. And she's living this really closeted life with her rich, crazy parents in New York. So she boards this luxury boat to Tanzania in Morocco to be married to a man she'd met before but didn't really know. And when she arrives in Morocco, like her marriage is really a real letdown because her husband Hugo is gay, but he's obviously having to hide that and so is only marrying her to save face. And Lucy has lived this very closeted life in New York and she wants to kind of push all that aside and live this new sexually free, fluid life in Tanzania. And she meets all these different people on the way who help her with that. And it's just a really interesting look into this moment in time because it's set in 1955 in this world of Morocco and the people who live there. Yeah, it's really interesting. So Little Birds, so that's all on Stan if you're looking for a binge watch this weekend. Oh, that sounds like I could escape watching that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we can't really travel right now. So this is a very, you know, there's all these beautiful Moroccan backdrops and she gets on this like a luxury boat and meets this like well-known performer and stuff. And it's all very lush and beautiful. And you're just watching it from your living room being like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. I think we've got a few ripper recommendations for you for this weekend. So if you like them, if you manage to watch them over the weekend, why don't you jump into our Facebook group and tell us what you thought. You can search The Spill podcast on Facebook. This episode of The Spill was brought to you by Rachel Hart. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye.